Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions, and math of money so you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you fall on the income or wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jaquette Timmons. On today's episode, we're going to talk about love and money. It's June, aka the wedding month. And maybe you are a June bride or maybe you are attending, if you haven't already, a wedding this month or sometime this summer. So I thought it would be a good time to talk about love and money of the romantic kind because love and money also exist in the context of families and in some relationships. But we are going to confine this episode to romantic love and money. And it just so happened that this morning I was watching a news program and they were doing a special on the cost of weddings. And the average cost, if you did not know, of a wedding is $34,000. And one of the things that they talked about in this segment is how sometimes the only conversation that couples are having around money is with regards to the cost of the wedding but they're not really talking about their financial lives beyond the wedding and uh, from the research that i've done for my book as well as some of the one-on-one coaching work that i've done with couples I do have evidence (laughs) that there are a lot of things when it comes to money that couples are not discussing. And often the reason given for this is that we culturally don't talk about money. And I actually take a different stance on this because I happen to disagree with that statement. I actually think we talk about money all the time. I just don't think, A, we're having the right conversations. I don't think we're having the right conversations with the right person, meaning oftentimes you will complain to a friend or a family member, but not directly to your mate. And then the third thing is, I think that we're sometimes being very literal when we think about talking, and we're not also including in that conversation what happens simply from observation, right? You can learn a lot from observing what someone does and doesn't do and and vice versa, turning the mirror on yourself and observing what it is that you do or don't do. So as a bit of a background, I uh, wrote the book, Financial Intimacy, How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate. It was published by Chicago Review Press and it came out in October of 2009, so in just a couple of months, I'm excited. We're going to be celebrating our 10-year anniversary for uh, publication. Uh, But a few things. I specifically have the subtitle, How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate, in that sequence because I don't believe that you can create a healthy relationship with another person in the context of money if you are not also in the process of doing that for yourself. So it doesn't mean that things have to be perfect because we are all a work in progress, but I do think that you have to be intentional about understanding your own relationship with money before you can effectively dive into that with another person. I wrote Financial Intimacy because I wanted to explore the intersection of love and money, taking on a social critic's uh, hat, and do that through the lens of 
what has happened socially, politically, economically, and in terms of family dynamics? What has happened? What has changed? What has evolved over the last 40 years? And how has the shifts that have happened, that has happened, I should say, in all of those different domains, how have they impacted how you and I show up in relationships in general, but especially in relationships when it comes to money? Like how has that shaped what we expect, our behavior, our choices, both of ourselves and of other people? So I am not going to use this episode to summarize a 200-page book, but I do want to share some best practices that I think are applicable and relevant, whether you are single and dating, whether you are engaged, whether you are living with someone, whether you are newly married or you've been married for many, many, many years. I think all of these questions are a really great way of uh, serving as tools for best practices. So again, uh, these best practices, I am using questions as a way of setting the tone for these because I think questions are a really great way of A, getting to know yourself as well as getting to know someone else. Even if you've been in their lives and they yours for a really long time, there's always something new that you're learning about someone and questions are typically the vehicle by which that happens. But I also think that, especially in the context of money, the value of questions, especially if they are coming from a place of curiosity, helps both you and the other person let your guard down. You don't have to be defensive. And that's a really important posture to just be mindful of, especially when it comes to money, which can leave you and the other person potentially feeling really vulnerable, really exposed, because let's face it, there, we all have something that either we did do or did not do that might have caused us a, a sense of shame or guilt, and we may not have reconciled that. We may not have resolved that, and we're carrying it, carrying it forward. So questions are a way of tapping into that and then making sure that those things are not holding you back in any particular way. I also think that questions are a great way to engage without judgment, like to really, again, come from a place of curiosity, come from a place of wanting to understand, and um, in that process, create the space to, with intention, co-create the money story that you want to have either with the mate that you're with now or the one that you might have at some point in the future. And as I will say here, and I have said in many other uh, forums as well, I don't believe that there is any question that's off the table when it comes to love and money, with one caveat. You cannot ask a question, whether it's one of the eight that I'm about to share with you or some others that you come up with on your own, you cannot ask a question that you yourself are not willing to answer. And even if it's the case that you don't have an answer yet, even simply being in the process of discovering what that answer may be, that's cool. But you cannot ask a question that you wouldn't want to willingly answer yourself. So with that as our uh, framework and uh, you know setting of the tone, if you will, let's dive into the questions that I think are good practices, again, for singles, single people dating, engaged people, people living together, and married couples newly or long-term. 
and especially for those that have, that are, of you that are married and have been together for quite a while, I think this is really important to make sure that you are looking with a new set of eyes, right? Just be open to discovering something that you may not have known before about your mate or deepening an understanding that you already have. So here's the first question. Do you know how much money you spent last year and on what items? And let me just say that for each question, what I will do is when it's appropriate, I will you know, give the value of that if you're single and also give the value if you are coupled up, as they say. So, okay, again, the first question, do you know how much money you spent and on what uh, last year? And the thing to keep in mind, if that made you a little squeamish, uh, for a single person is you didn't ask for a specific dollar amount. You just simply asked the question. And in doing so, what you are doing is opening up the door to kind of see to what extent the person is aware of what is going on with their money. What's their degree of financial self-awareness? And similarly for you, can you answer that question? And how easily can you answer that question? Why it's valuable for couples? Well, number one, not all couples commingle their money. And number two, even if you do, uh, it's, it's a false assumption to make to think that each party of the couple spends equally. And so understanding what you each are spending and on what is a way of a having a sense of what your individual spend is, but then also having an understanding and coming to an agreement around what's not being invested, if you will, in quote unquote, the family fund. Like what money is not being redirected to some of the family goals? Because I'm of the mindset that just because you become a couple, it does not mean that your individual goals go away, but you do need to be on the same page around, um, how you are prioritizing your family goals and the money that's needed to fund those family goals. So that's the first question. The second question is, do you have a policy? And this is not a new question perhaps to you in terms of uh, other episodes, but do you have a policy for how you spend your cash, use your credit, handle debt? And for couples, each of these is really an opportunity to revisit you know, for example, revisit what your uh, spending thresholds are, to revisit if you need to have some parameters or to reset some parameters on what you can spend uh, and on what without consulting with the other person. Same with debt. You want to make sure that um, you're not surprised, especially if you don't commingle funds, that you're not surprised by the amount of debt that someone has. I have had couples where the reason they came to me is because one of the parties discovered that the other one was $35,000 in debt. And uh, they were like, where the heck did that happen? How, when did that happen? How did that happen? So this question is really helpful in that regard. And for singles, again, you're not asking for specific dollar amounts. So you're not saying how much cash do you have or you know, what's your credit card limit or how much debt do you have? You're not asking for those details, but you are asking if they do indeed have some policies, have some rules around that. And that the answer to that question is helpful, but here's what I think is even more important and more helpful. 
why. So for example, if someone says to you that um, I use my credit card, but every month I pay it off in full. Well, why? Did you learn that because that's what you saw growing up? Or did that become a rule and a habit because at some point in time you did have a lot of credit card debt, you were overwhelmed, you worked really hard to get out of it, and you just vowed that you would never get back into that position. That gives you a lot of insight as to what drives a person to do and follow the rules that they are following. So the answer is important, but just as important is the why behind it. Question number three. Do you go to the ATM machine more than twice per week? And given that, you know, we are living in a uh, ever-increasing cash-free environment, you might even want to change this to, you know, how often do you use your debit card in any given day? And the reason that this is kind of important, especially for the cash standpoint, maybe not so much for the debit card, but from a cash standpoint, is it sort of provides a little window into um, how well someone plans for their lifestyle. And again, this might be a little tricky, especially given the fact that we're living less and less with the use of cash. But it is, I think, an important uh, question to kind of dive into from the standpoint of getting a better understanding of, is someone really aware of what it takes to live their life? And are they doing it in such a way that it is a responsible way? And one might question, well, who gets to define responsible? Well, the both of you get to define that together. How's that? All right, question number four. Do you save? And part B, do you save before you pay your bills? Again, I'm going to say this frequently for the next uh, couple of questions, and that is for singles. You're not asking someone how much are you saving, but what you are getting at with this question is A, does the other person engage in the practice, i.e. the habit of saving, and do they do it with the... Uh, priority being paying yourself first. That's really what the uh, importance of the second part of that question is. Do you save before paying your bills? And the answers to that really gives you an opportunity to determine, does that person's approach and style match with your approach, style, and philosophy? And if it doesn't, is that a deal breaker for you? Or is that something that you're willing to work on together? And again, for couples, especially if you don't co-mingle money, do you have a, is it yours and, and mine, or is it yours, mine, and ours, and of that hours piece, you know, how much have you determined you will each uh, contribute to whatever the savings bucket or buckets are? Is this an opportunity to, in general, just revisit your saving strategy? Is this an opportunity, especially if you have children, to kind of explore if the example that you are setting is the one that you want to set for your children? So again, there's a lot uh, more to the question than just what's on the surface with the question. Question number five, do you own any investments? Again, <laughs> you're not asking, what's the value of your portfolio? But you are getting a sense of, is the other person committed to building wealth in whatever form that takes? Is it investing in the stock market? Is it buying investment uh, 
producing real estate? Is it owning a business? Because that too is a form of wealth. And for couples, again, whether you commingle assets or whether you keep them separate, this is really an opportunity to engage in a conversation, sit down at the table and say, especially if you don't commingle, what do you have? What do I have? Um, are we investing? Yes, we're investing separately, but are we doing it in such a way that we're creating a complementary portfolios in terms of the family pool of assets? Or if it's the case that you do indeed have everything joint, is this an opportunity to take, you know, to take a moment and say, well, wait a second. Um, I've been the one that's been making the investment decisions for X amount of time. Maybe it's time to shift roles and have somebody else do that. And if that just like does not work for either of you, then you, again, this is an opportunity to talk about, all right, well, are we on the same page with how much we are investing and how we are investing? And either way for singles or couples, I think one of the questions to ask is what's the biggest investment mistake you've made? It could be ever, it could be in the last year, it can be in the last five years, but what's the biggest mistake you've ever made and what's the biggest win you've ever had and what was your process? And did you, was, was, did you have a different process in the instance where it was a bigger, bigger mistake or when you were successful? And if you followed the same process in both instances, then what was the reason for the mistake and the success. Understanding that process is a really good thing to be aware of. And here is one more thing before we, or two more things before we move on to the next question. If you are a stay-at-home partner, make sure that the one that is working is setting aside enough and investing it in such a way that it is going to be enough for both of you when you retire. <laughs> um, and you may have to, you know, check with your CPA on this, but it might also be beneficial to do like a spousal IRA. That might be something to explore if one of you is a stay-at-home spouse. The other thing, and you know, some of you uh, listening may be familiar with this if you are of a certain age, and that is to ask the question, do you have a secret account? Now, of course, <laughs> if you ask the question, then it's no longer a secret account. But you may be from uh, an era when you were told by, you know, your mother or your grandmother or some of the aunties in your life that uh, you should have your own money that he doesn't need to know about. Uh, so this is a really great time to ask that question. Do you have a secret account? Uh, about which I need to be aware because again, I see a lot when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and I have seen those instances when that has come up. And what I will say is this, I am a believer in transparency. However, if you are, I know that we're talking about love and money and this is when, you know, things are supposed to be all nice and yummy, yummy. But in those instances where things are not all nice and yummy, yummy, and you are planning your exit, then that is a good time to then start putting money aside for when you are, you know, no longer coupled up. So just that little bit of a caveat. All right, question number six, do you donate to charity? 
again, for singles, you're not asking a dollar amount, but you are really tapping into, tapping into the degree to which someone is generous, generous with their time or with their money, and do you have the same philosophy and approach when it comes to those kinds of things? You know, what happens if you are someone that tithes and you're dating someone that doesn't believe in that? Again, is that a deal breaker for you, and how do you feel about that? Or even if you are, um, you know, coupled up, are you in agreement with how much money you're giving each year and to what organizations do you give money to? So here's a funny story. And um, obviously I would never tell client names or anything like that, but I'm not even going to tell the dollar amount because I don't want anything to seem like it's too personally identifiable. But here's the scenario. The husband gave a sizable, like, five-figure check, sizable five-figure check to a family member as a gift without consulting with the wife. And that kind of pissed the wife off. And so what she did is uh, uh, wrote a check of the same amount and gave it to a charity. So the other thing that you want to tap into is What's the, again, what's the, what's the agreed threshold for giving to charity, but then also what's the motivation for giving to charity? And similarly, sometimes charity can take the form of, you know, providing uh, financial gifts to family members, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you feel like you should be consulted or the other person feels like they should be consulted before you do it, then you need to have a conversation around what's that threshold, what's the total dollar amount on an annual basis, what's the, to the, the dollar amount per person or per, per organization. Those are the kinds of details that you want to dive into. So again, it's not just about the question that's being asked at the surface. Question number seven, do you know your credit score? You're not asking the specific, the specific number if you are dating, but you do want to know, does this person have a sense of this quote-unquote small detail that can significantly impact their life and then certainly yours if you do get together? And for couples, yes, you are a couple, but you have individual identities, you have individual credit scores, and you don't want to be surprised at the wrong time um, especially if you are about to buy a home or buy some other kind of property or invest in a business or take out an auto loan, when you are about to do those things, that's not when you want to discover, for example, that your mate has $35,000 in debt that you were unaware of because that's going to affect their credit score. So you want to make sure that you have that sort of information so that you know if, if something needs to change, that A, something needs to change, B, you can come up with a game plan to do that, and then C, you can do that with, with giving yourself the kind of time cushion that you might need to respond accordingly. And then so here's the last question. Do you feel good about your finances? And if the question is, why, of course, yes, I do, then I think a natural follow-up question then is, well, then what makes you so proud? And if the question is no or somewhat, then I think the follow-up question there is, well, then what needs to happen next to make you go from no to somewhat and then to yes? What I personally like about these eight questions, and it's not just because I came up with them, but I think that they are practical. 
I think that they are fairly straightforward. And then I think that also, if you go beyond the, the, the layer that's at the top surface, it gives you an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. And it gives you an opportunity to get a better glimpse of the elements that comprise your own relationship with money, as well as those elements that comprise your mate's relationship with money. And as we begin to wrap up this particular episode, I want to share a quote from Sandra, S-O-N-D-R-A-E, Solomon. And she says, how people care for each other, how they share responsibility, power, and authority, those are the key issues in relationships. And for me, I think money is one of the key mediums by which responsibility power, authority, trust, control, security, and the dynamics of dependency, independence, and interdependence. Like all of these, not only do they show up um, as aspects of different parts of your relationship in general, but they absolutely show up in terms of money being that thing that puts a spotlight on each of those elements individually. So whether it's this month, June, or any other month of the year, what I am hoping is that you will actually begin to look at and to use money as a communication tool, one that helps to deepen your connection and intimacy, either with the mate that you have or the one that you hope to have at some point in the future. So Happy loving money. (laughs) And thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. As always, I love it when you take the time to let us know what you found most useful and as well what actions you're going to take to implement your takeaways from our conversation. Please remember to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also, if you are not already, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My handle is J-A-C-Q-U-E-T-T-E-M Timmins. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. And until next time, remember, it is about more than money. 